0: Today's episode of Your Stories is brought to you by Overcast, an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. No exclusives, no premium content, no paywalls, just a great podcast app for everyone. Get it for free in your app store. Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the
1: highs and lows
2: of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a
3: secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird.
1: Maybe you're into something different, uh, comic books, fantasy football, push-ups.
4: Your stories to me has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there, no questions asked.
1: Uh, I've heard stories about all those things, uh, maybe not, not a lot of push-ups, I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The
2: Nerdologues is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds
3: just like me.
1: And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So
0: everybody, Eric Arno here. It's been a while since you heard from us, but we've been cooking up a couple pretty cool shows since we've been gone. So you might remember that last year, the one and only Benjamin Rathert, a friend to this show, and most importantly, friend to me, put together a Your Story show in his hometown of Ava, Illinois, which is pretty far down south in the state. Well, this year he wanted to do it again, and that is the show you are about to hear, at least hear the first half of. So Ben took care of this whole show himself. He booked the storytellers, he hosted, he even put a band together and gave them a fun name, which I love. Um, It was so, so great to get to attend this and watch someone put so much heart and love into this production. Um, You'll hear more of that next week, but for now, you can enjoy stories from Tony Baker, Trisha Burns, and Amy White-Williams, plus music from the Cover Me Up trio, and a little assist from yours truly. Also worth noting, Your Stories is rocking a pretty stellar team-up show in Chicago this Sunday because nerds love team-ups and crossovers. We're partnering with Lily Bee's The Stoop. One of my favorite storytelling shows in the city to bring our audiences together, share some music, share some stories, of course, and also do a little fundraising for good. Uh, That show is happening this Sunday, June 23rd at the Cards Against Humanity Theater, 1551 West Homer Street in Chicago. That is free to attend. You can find information about that on our website, www.nerdologs.com, or our Facebook page. That's sweet. So we'll be back with new episodes for at least the next month or so here, which is pretty exciting. Uh, what happens after that you will have to stay tuned to find out. Bye! Sweet
3: talk, sweet talk. Sweet talk, sweet talk. Hey everybody. Woo! Yes! Thank you so much for coming out tonight to, I guess, the second annual uh, Southern Illinois Your Stories that we're doing. Last year's was a hell of a lot of fun, and I'm so happy you could all make it out tonight for this one. Uh as any of you in the audience may or may not know, uh, my Eric Garno, one of my b- absolute best friends, uh, does a podcast called Your Stories. Uh, he has been doing it strong for about seven years. It's been on a little bit more of a break status, but he still was generous enough to come down and help us out tonight so we could get our stories out there. Because I know all of you out there, and you have lovely, wonderful stories, and we want to hear them. And anyway, I just, I'm generally thrilled that, that you're all here. Um, tonight's theme is From Scratch. Hey, that that fits scratch brewery here we are but the more I picked the the more I thought about it after we picked that up that I really really like that theme like from scratch like we're all from something we're all made of scratch we've all got the stuff that we came from we've got our parents we've got our backgrounds we've got our ex-lovers who you know did whatever they did to us along the way it's all just kind of part of it And, and and here we are um Anyway, uh, the, what, what we're going to be doing tonight is we do music and we do stories. Uh, some of the, the music we picked out tonight all fits with the theme from scratch, and I'll talk to you about that as we go along here. Um, our first song we're going to be doing uh, with Mr. Uh, Kyle Triplett, and Mr. Tony Baker. Uh, we're calling ourselves the Cover Me Up Trio is the name of our little uh, get, get together group because these are these are covers. Um, but, uh, the first song we're going to be doing is, uh, it, it's, you'll know it very well if you owned a radio in 2002. Um, you guys want to come on up here? We'll get all situated. This song was written by, uh, a gentleman named Daryl Scott, uh, who I only, I only learned about Daryl Scott later in life. Um, he's written some of my favorite songs, like Great Day to Be Alive. That was him. And, uh, he wrote a lot of songs for the Dixie Chicks, which, here we go. He sits on the front porch swinging, looking out at a vacant field. It used to be filled with barley and tobacco, now he knows that it never will. Brother found a work in Indiana. Sister's a nurse at the old folks' home. Mama's still cooking too much for supper me. I've been a long time gone, real long time gone. No, I ain't hold a rose since I don't know when long time gone and ain't coming back again do you please that old church do you plays that old church piano sitting out on her daddy's farm she always thought that we'd be together lord i never meant to do her harm she said she heard me singing in the choir. Me, I heard another song. I caught wind and hit the road running Lord, I've been a long time gone. Real long time gone. No, I ain't had a prayer since I don't know when. Long time gone. And it ain't coming back again. Nashville, trying to be a big deal, playing down on Broadway, giving my heart away, living from a tip shop, sleeping in my car, hucking my guitar, yeah, I'm gonna be a star, now me and Deer, you're playing every single, listen to the great and go. Listen to the radio to hear what's cooking But the music ain't got no soul Now they sound tired But they don't sound haggard They got money But they don't got cash They got junior But they don't have bank I think, I think, I think The rest is a long time gone Lord, I ain't hit the roof Since I don't know when Long time gone And it ain't coming back I said long time gone, though ain't honked the horn since I don't know when. Long time gone, and it ain't coming back again. not already obvious from the beginning. The talent is behind me. Uh, and, and the best part is, too, the mistakes are recorded forever. So if you ever want to listen to the podcast back again, there they are. But hey, weave it all into the larger picture. But it's mistakes were never learned. <laughs> oh. that's, that's true. Uh, anyway, so Ain't Hawk the horns Since I Don't Know When. A long time gone personal song for me because I left home and I came back home and here we are again. But anyway, welcome from somewhere. Uh, Different Days is our next song by Jason Isbell. Some of you may know Jason Isbell's work. A few years ago, Carbondale closed down the strip so that he could do a concert there, and it was fabulous. Uh, he is a great Americana singer, country music, uh, however you, you slice it up, but he's been something that brings me joy, so we're going to be doing this song next. Time. Ready? Of the runaways on the wall. Seems like these days you couldn't run away at all. And even if you did, what you got to run away to? Just another drunk daddy with a white man's point of view. I can see you in my mind's eye catching light leave beside the river if you make it out of town tonight you've been stripping Portland since the day you turned 16 you got one thing to sell benzodiazepine 10 years ago I might see you dancing in a different light and offered up my help in different those were different days. Those were different days.
0: Had a girl
3: back home shared a single bed. When I whispered in her ear, she believed every word I said. And if she didn't believe, she didn't dare give me slack. Cause it was, baby, I love you, get off of my goddamn back Time went by and I left and I left again Jesus not a sinner but the highway loves the sin My daddy told me, I believe he told me true That the right thing's always the hardest thing to do Stuck around for another night and used her in a thousand different ways. Those were different days, those were different days, and the stories only. Across, but the ghost that I got scared and I got high with look a little long. Ten years ago I might thought I didn't have the right to say the things that I thought would say those were different days. Different days, those were different days. Those were different days. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Distinct pleasure for that. Man alive, love that song. You know, like, I think from scratch and in different days, and that's clearly a narrator who's trying to explain to himself why he's not trying to do as bad as he did before in a past that he knows and maybe should walk away from. And that, that strikes me. I love that song. It's my favorite song by that artist. All right, we're, we're going to dive right in here with this guy, Tony Baker. He is our first storyteller tonight. Tony is a previous teacher. He's a technician. He's a general polymath. I've described him before as the smartest person I know, and that's still pretty appropriate. Uh, a, a quick story there. Earlier this year, he had his kids over at the all skate in DuQuoin. Yes, there is still a functioning skating rink in DuCoin, Illinois. If you ever want to go there, uh, <laughs> fishing some toys out of the vent out of the like the grabo machine, and he comes home with. Cerebus from, I think, the 1995 Hercules Disney movie, and, and if you, yeah. you open it up and Hades was inside, you know, James Woods and, and all that, he, he sent me a, a picture of it there, and, and like, about, um, no joke, like, two weeks later, I've got my kids over at my dad's house, and for whatever reason, my dad was up in the first National Bank of Ava in the attic cleaning stuff. He's not affiliated with the bank in any way, but, hey, let's go clean the attic. Um, <laughs> And he brings home this whole bag full of McDonald's toys, and they're from the 1996 movie Hunchback of Notre Dame. So we've had those sitting at our art table for a while. So it's a little challenge we've had to see who can find the most defunct and weird Disney's tie-in. Uh, but anyway, Mr. Tony Bay. Yeah. Uh,
2: nice. Really, the, the point that I, I sent him that picture because I wanted to know had this been in here since 1997. <laughs> Or were they just filling it up with whatever they could find, right? <laughs> so, like, I had not quite figure that out. Um, all right, so for my story tonight, I would love to stick with the theme of, of from scratch. I'm, you guys can decide how well this fits, but uh, <laughs> so, uh, but it's kind of about identity, right? So, um, I've moved uh, not not a lot, but but enough, and, and I've really kind of reflected on that. And my wife mentioned it to me the other day. It's like we really, I tend to shift, and I don't know if everybody does this, but shift my identity a little bit based on where I am who I'm with you know it's very kind of flexible and I guess I'm lucky to have that the ability to do that you know I think uh some people probably aren't but um so I grew up in Indiana small town not a not I don't know a little bit bigger than Murfreesboro basically so like not a metropolis by any stretch of the imagination not a large city right and I grew up um and the town I grew up in has two rivers that meet with each other right in the middle and legitimately in my backyard I could walk out out of the patio doors walk down the yard and the Wabash River was right there so as a kid like all of my time was spent fishing and camping and walking up and down the river right so I really like developed this identity of kind of being a kid who really loved nature you know and uh you know I I got older and uh I kind of got away from that a little bit and then most of the nature I would get involved with was me like drinking beer in the woods as opposed to actually like enjoying nature right and then, uh, you know, I, I get most of the way through high school, and at this point I'm like, I cannot wait to get the hell out of here. I absolutely hate this town. It is the worst. And I'll stop right here, because if you think this is a story where at the end I'm like, but I love my hometown now. That is not the case. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I actually still very much do not like that place, and I would not move back there. Um, but, uh, so I, I, went to school in a town that's 350,000 people. Right. So all of a sudden I'm like the little country kid kind of grew up and I'm stuck in this big town of people. Right. So then I'm looked at all the people that I, that I meet. They're like, Oh yeah, a little, little country boy, you know, come up to the big city to go to school, that kind of stuff. Right. So I had this identity of kind of being out of place there. Um, but, but not a bad way. It didn't make me feel bad about it, but it was just who I was there. I was from the small town in, in the big city. Right. So. A lot of good things happened there. I went to school, met my wife, uh, and eventually we actually are going to relocate here for graduate school. So my wife comes uh, to Southern for graduate school. So I moved from the town of 350,000 people to Murfreesboro, which is, I don't know, six or 7,000 people, right? So again, I've changed my identity one more time. And I, I don't, okay, I haven't changed, right? But the perception of me, right? Now I'm from a big city and I absolutely hate being in the country all of a sudden. I'm like, <laughs> hated around here, man. Everybody drives so slow. And I distinctly remember like, I called to look at an apartment and they called me like two weeks later. And I'm like, lady, I wanted to see it that day. Getting it done. Chop, chop. You know, like, so all of a sudden I can't handle like the the small town America. So, but we moved down here, you know, and I kind of do my thing. I work. I, uh, but I, I really start to take on the culture a little bit. But So I, I go back to graduate school. I get certified to teach, and I become a teacher, as Ben mentioned. So I worked in the classroom. And what's really funny is, like, now I have this other identity of standing up in front of students. And to these students, I am the weirdest person they've ever met, right? Um, and to kind of clarify, right, so I'm looking for teaching jobs. And... Uh, By God, I looked in a newspaper of all places. They still existed, right? And I looked in a newspaper, and there was a help wanted long-term substitute, right? And I was like, yeah, what the hell? You know, like, I'll I'll go check it out. And this is in Ducoin, the town that I live in now. Um, So I I go up to the building, and it's like, I don't know. It seems like it's 500 feet long, maybe maximum, and it's like a dank hallway. And I walk (laughs) in, and I kind of knock on the glass to talk to the office ladies, and I was like, where's the rest of the school? And they're like, this is it, right? Like, this is the entirety of the school. And I was like, interesting. (laughs) This is very small. I'm not familiar with this. Uh, You know, so, I interviewed for the job and the classroom I interviewed in was crazy. This is like a whole side story and I won't like go too far into it, but uh, I walk in and it was, there's kids in the audience, so I won't be too graphic, but uh, there's black foam over the windows and all of the incandescent tube lights had been swapped out to... Like screw in bulbs. I'm sorry, the, the flareset lights have been swapped to incandescence, right? And I was like, That's like some weird creepy sex dungeon, man. Like what is going on here? No no kid can learn in this environment. <laughs> so So I interviewed for the job, and I get it. And I was like, okay, great. Come to find out the guy had, like, Lyme disease that I was taking over for. He was really photosensitive. So there was a ton of perfectly legitimate explanation for why the room looked like that. Uh, But anyway, so, like, I'm up in front of these kids, you know, as somebody who has, like, life experience now. But I'm from the big city, right? Because I come into a, a school of 250 kids, and... I've, I'm a vegetarian now, right? Like, they're like, "Oh my God, what's that? I'm like, How can you do that? What do you eat?" And I'm like, "I legitimately eat everything you do, except for like three things. <laughs> everything is the same." Yeah. So, you know, now so now I have this identity of like information guy, you know, like I know stuff. I'm cultured. I know all about the world, right? So, you know, I, like I had to live that that kind of shifting identity up and down. it's really you know not a bad thing, right? I feel like I really. Uh, had the opportunity to to open kids' eyes to to the world outside of the the tiny towns. Um, So that was fun. Um, So I I taught for eight years. uh, Then I took position with the State Board of Education for a while. And most recently, I've taken a new job six, eight months ago, right? And this is with a kind of a Silicon Valley not-for-profit. So maybe you can see where this is going, right? Like, all of a sudden, I have been declared the Team Bumpkin, right? So... (laughs) Because I live in an area where uh, I'm I'm basically, you know, I work with people who are in Philadelphia and Baltimore and Washington, D.C. and San Francisco, right? And I'm like, I live like 40 minutes from the nearest grocery store, you know (laughs) what I mean? So... And I like it, right? And then that's a that's whole other thing. Like, I, I wouldn't trade it for the world, really. I mean, maybe not here specifically, but I do like the rural lifestyle. Uh, so, but now, yes, I'm living another identity as a person who is a, uh, like, again, the team bumpkin. And I brought this kind of on myself, I will say that. At one point, I was asked to do kind of a, a little workshop on, like, modeling, using computational models for uh, science phenomenon, right? And I titled it, How Many Goats is Too Many Goats? And... Uh, <laughs> That really got the ball rolling on, like, the the Team Hillbilly thing. So... uh, (laughs) And I did happen to tell a story about eating frog legs as a child the other day, and that just, you know... So basically, I've cemented my legacy. Um, So at any rate, you know, again, I've kind of shifted back and forth. I think now that I'm older, right, I do find myself appreciating maybe my identity as the youth, right? Like, just being free and enjoying, like, nature... And uh, maybe all of the kind of bullshit in between doesn't matter so much anymore, right? But I, I just wanted to reflect a little bit on what it means to, to be who you are and, and how that is perceived by other people and kind of the situations that you're inserted into as opposed to just saying, this is the person that I am, right? So that's it for me tonight.
3: <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, I was wondering if you were going to get into that, and I I appreciate that you did, Tony. That's good stuff, good stuff. We are all reinventing ourselves constantly. Uh, If nothing else, just one level of education after another, and one job for the next, and... Uh, for some of us, it's one child to the next. I, I feel like after we had my daughter, Evie, it's just like, I guess I'm a new person now because uh, I have two kids instead of one, and like, it's, it's all been just bizarre. It is weird. been living here for six years, and I, I, all, I honestly don't recognize the person I was when I moved here. And it's not that long, and I, nothing much has changed, right? I don't know. Things change. Anyway, um, thank you very much for that. Our next speaker is someone I am so so excited to have here, and uh, I, I'm just, I'm, it's, it's it's great. She is a city planner for the city of Carbondale. She has been working for uh, or working with the stage company in Carbondale for about the last ten years. Uh, my wife and I caught her in the uh, play almost identical uh, a couple years back, and it was fabulous. It was like reminded me of like old plays where like you know like uh, someone's off stage and is playing two characters at the same time, so they have to like, do a quick uh, quick. Uh, Uh, costume change and all that but it was delightful and she was amazing in it um but uh i I had the delight of going to high school with this uh person and i'm gonna bring her on up uh miss trisha burns come on up
1: hi i like ben said my name is trisha burns i'm excited to be here tonight Um, Ben actually asked me to be part of this last year, and I had something come up last minute and was unable to attend. So when he asked me again this year, I was really excited that you thought of me again. So um, like Ben said, I do theater at the stage company. I've been doing that for about 10 years. My degree is actually in theater from SIU. I live in DeSoto currently with my three kids and my husband and... That's me in a nutshell right now. Um, But the story that I decided to go with for tonight, um, I kept thinking, like, what should I talk about? What's interesting about me? Because I don't find myself interesting at all. And I try to go back to my childhood. And one of my earliest memories that I remember, my family is a big part of my life. And it always has been. And I remember as a kid spending so much time at my grandparents' house. Um, My one set of grandparents lived in Percy. I spent every day after school with them. And I learned so much from them growing up. My other set of grandparents actually lived in Murfreesboro, Hey, (laughs) throw back to the last story right there. (laughs) And I remember every weekend going and spending time at their house. But one thing I really remember about that part of my family, that was my dad's family. Actually, my dad is one of eight kids. And out of those eight kids, I am one of eight grandkids. So there was a lot of us in that house all the time. And I remember back to the different holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and spending all those times together. But one thing that I constantly go back to is not normal, I don't think, for, for most families. But it was for our family. Our family in the mid-late 80s, early 90s, was very into WWF wrestling. (laughs) And this is something I look back at, and I'm like, wow. All right, we'll go with that. Because I remember that's what our family got together to do, to watch WrestleMania. This was something that... I I don't know if every family did but that's what we did and our family was very competitive I don't like to think of myself as a very competitive person but I think it's naturally ingrained in there because it didn't matter what we were doing whether we were playing darts playing pool or if it was wrestling we each had our wrestler that was our wrestler back then we had the ultimate warrior that was called by my cousin you couldn't have him we had The Undertaker, who my uncle slightly resembled, which was kind of creepy as a child. Whenever you look at him and you look at The, the Undertaker on TV and you're like, wait, hmm, I have questions. But my wrestler growing up was Hulk Hogan. I remember as a child, like as soon as he would come on the screen, I'm like, oh my gosh this is amazing, like, these guys, like, one thing I have to say about wrestlers back then is they were dedicated to the character, so dedicated to the character, and as an actor now, I feel like I learned a lot (laughs) about dedication and making sure that you stuck with your story, stuck with your role. They did it. And they were willing to bleed for their art back then. And it was amazing. Like as a child, I I know it was a very violent sport, but I was in it. I was ready. And I remember specifically 1989. I was five years old. Whenever Macho Man Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan were on WrestleMania against each other, all right, my family was split. Some of us liked Hulk Hogan. Some of us liked Macho Man Randy Savage. I love Macho Man Randy Savage now in retrospect. But back then, it was Hulk Hogan. And as a five-year-old child, I remember like being in it, being there, but you couldn't talk. Like You, could, you couldn't talk, you couldn't get in front of the TV. If you did, an uncle might pound you. <laughs> so, again, there was, there was a lot of them. And so this is something I remember. And my grandmother, going back to her, she was about 4'11". She was a little big woman. cutest little thing you've ever seen. She was right in the middle of everybody. <laughs> she didn't care. She didn't understand really what was going on, but she was right there because this was her family this is what we did this is the odd thing that we did I still look back and I'm like man we were strange (laughs) but it says a lot now like I understand why I am the way I am (laughs) but yeah so wrestling was a big part of my childhood and I look back and I really miss a lot of those get-togethers. Like, my family, after my grandparents passed away, we lost that. We kind of lost that camaraderie, that come-together. But that's one thing I'll always be able to look back and think of, is watching WWF, WWE, (laughs) wrestling. (laughs) And again, as an actor, I feel like I learned a lot from them. And I, that's my story.
3: <laughs> uh, for anybody who uh, cares, because I'm sure you're all very interested, Sergeant Slaughter was the best. But... Yo, yeah, that's right. Yo, Joe, Yo, Joe. Yeah, uh, th- something like the crossover between G.I. Joe and actual, like, wrestling people you can watch on the screen, and then when he would, I don't know, fight the ultimate warrior, <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's my childhood too, Trisha. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic, uh, thank you so much for that, uh, all right, all right, uh, we, are, we are rolling right along, and God bless it, this is great, uh, our next speaker, I am also elated to have with us tonight, um, this is somebody that since we did last year's, I've had her in mind to say, like, I want to have her story. I want to have whatever she wants to uh, lay us with. Um, so I didn't really start the top of the show with this because I forgot because I was nervous. Um, <laughs> but uh, Your Stories is brought to us by a, a comedy group out of Chicago called the Nerdlogs. Much of what they do is with a nerdy background there. And that can be anything, you know, like a comedy... Star Wars, Magic the Gathering, you know, take your pick, these kind of things. It's by no means exclusive to that. But my connection to Amy has to do some with Star Trek, uh, because I remember a few years ago seeing her picture with William Shatner, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Um, Boy, howdy. I was just like, I... I didn't know she was a Trekkie, and she's standing there with Captain James Tiberius Kirk. All right, we have things to talk about now. Um, Amy Williams is, uh, she has uh, 10 years nursing experience, nine years obstetric. I have had the pleasure of working with her on a number of deliveries, uh, and she has been a joy. She's like, when, when, you, when you have a woman who's going to deliver and you're the physician, you don't get to pick who the nurse is. But it's one of those where, like, there are certain people when you're just like, oh my gosh, I hope I get to work with this person tonight. And, and Amy's always been high on that list, and I've been delighted to be able to work with her. Uh, I understand she's going through a career change. I was reminded of that again because I know she told me a few months ago and then I immediately forgot (laughs) for that. But anyway, I'm going to hand over to her, Miss Amy Williams.
4: (laughs) Hello. It's great to be with you tonight. Yes, um, the career change actually is. Furthering my career. I'm in school to become a nurse midwife so I can do even more with what I do because I love caring for moms and babies um, and empowering women. So I'm talking about nerdy stuff, but it's going to end up with a little bit of a feminist twist. Um, So, Trish, you're going to love this too. (laughs) And I'm so glad you're here, also. Um, So, my older brother is about four years older than me, and growing up, that was, like, the coolest person in the world. Um, and I also have a younger sister, but she didn't come along until I was almost six. So for the first little bit of my life, it was me and my brother Mike. And so I loved my Barbies. I was all about Barbies, but I also played with Ninja Turtles, and I also played with Ghostbusters, and, you know, whatever he was playing with. Man, I was right there. I was in it, too. And... Um, I don't remember how old I was, but I was still ridiculously young to be watching Star Trek VI, which is a very bloody movie with my brother. Um, I mean, I might have been six or seven. And my parents also, to put this out there, really, really sheltered the kind of stuff we watched. I was not watching PG-13 movies at this point. And here I'm at my uncle's house, and he's like, yeah, oh, Star Trek, you guys would like that. It's really cool. And they're like... Blown up all these Klingons And there's blood everywhere and it's pink So you know it's fine But I'm like whoa And so from that point on my brother was sold On Star Trek he's like this is awesome And so Mike's into Star Trek now so Amy's into Star Trek now And um, we started watching it and we got Into TNG which was Just starting to phase out On TV and then Deep Space Nine was coming on (gasps) Yeah. And I'm, I'm still little, I'm probably seven and I was a weird kid. Right. And I think most of us were, if we're honest with ourselves, but I read all the time. Uh, my dad had a doctorate my mom had a master's. So the level of language that they used with us at home was up here, you know? Um, so my vocabulary was always way above my other friends and they're like, what the heck are you talking about? And I'm like, well, it means blah, blah, blah. And You know, I I couldn't help it. Like, that's how I was talked to at home. So, that's how I spoke. I always read. But still, Star Trek's uh, vocab and the techno babble was, again, still way above my head. So, I'd ask my brother constantly, Well, what are they talking about? What does this mean? And, again, him being four years older, he'd, you know, bring it down to my seven year old level. Okay, okay. So then, really notable moment, I was already into Deep Space Nine, I loved that Cisco was amazing, Kira was amazing, Kira, oh my gosh I loved her, Jadzia then Voyager comes on the air and we have a female captain and as this little girl I'm just like Oh, oh my gosh, there is a woman in charge. And not only is there a woman in charge, but she is freaking awesome. You know, like she doesn't take anything from anybody. What she says goes. If they don't like it, they just have to deal. And I mean, as a little girl growing up, seeing that woman in that powerful position in the Delta Quadrant where they've got all this crazy stuff happening all the time, It was just absolutely life-changing to me. And so every week that would come on, and I can't remember. I think it might have come on at 9 p.m. It was either 8 p.m. until 9 or 9 p.m. until 10, but I do remember it ran past my bedtime. And again, my parents were very good about making sure we got into bed on time, but... They would let me stay up and watch that every week in my brother's room with him, and so it was a bonding thing there, too. And eventually, we got our parents into Star Trek, and they watched all the episodes of all the series with us, so it became family bonding as well. But that's one of the things about Star Trek that I love. It brings people together. And it also shows that there are so many possibilities for people, regardless of um, your gender, or your age, or your race, or religion, or any other thing. So, love that. That's what I have tonight. Thank you.
3: I've been trying to drill down recently on Star Trek, because let let me just be absolutely clear about this. Star Trek is about ten notches above Star Wars. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Hot take. Hot take. Uh, for that, but I, I, I'm, I'm doing a rewatch of, of old Star Trek shows myself, I'm, I'm doing DS9 with a podcast I listen to right now, and I've been trying to think like, what was the appeal to Small Ben for this show, why did he love it so much, and I, I, I literally think it breaks down to, well every episode they had a problem, and then they just fixed it, okay, you know, like that's my life, it like, well okay, well I'm not going to do the dishes, oh, we're gonna, we are need to build this thing, oh, so this person's sick with this, okay we'll take care of that. Um, and that's just, like, routine, but it's, like, it's very comforting, because at the end of each episode we've done the thing, and we've helped the people, and we've uh, built our connections and all that, but yes, Star Trek, 1,000%. Uh, So, Amy was our our last speaker in the first half here, and we're going to end with another song, actually, with Mr. Eric Garneau's help, all the way down from the windy city of Chicago. I'll, uh, I'll set this up a little bit um, while he's getting set up there for that. Um, this next song is uh, another song talking about from scratch and, you know, where, where I was and, and, and all that. Um, it's called Red, Blue, and Gray. It's by The Who. And I learned of this song whenever uh, I was going through a really, really nasty breakup kind of situation. I'm a good friend, Craig, who I wanted to be here with us tonight. Who just had a baby. He didn't have a baby. His wife had a baby. Uh, about you can't can't give him too much credit it's for a real that
0: junior situation. Yeah,
3: ooh, ooh, that's fine. He was he was going to be here, but he realized that he was kind of busy uh, with a, with a few other more important things like that. So anyway, um, this song has gave me a lot of comfort, and I wanted to share it with you tonight because I'd never heard the song, even though I was a huge goo fan, and Eric was nice enough to give me some backing for it there.
0: Make sure I'm in tune. Yeah, sounds good. All right, <laughs> that's how you cool. tune the ukulele. I can hear
3: here. Yeah. That's
0: it? It's only the second time I've played a ukulele live, by the way, so, um, I hope you enjoy the comical side of a large man playing a very small <laughs> instrument.
3: Some people seem so obsessed with the morning, get up just to watch the sun rise. Some people like it more when there's fire in the sky, worship the sun when it's high. Some people go for those sultry evenings, cocktails in the blue, red, and gray, but I like every minute of the day. I like every second, so long as you are on my mind. Every moment has its special charm, it's a when you're around, right? or oh. faces always seem so pale. And then there's those who must have sunlight, they say a suntan never fails. I know a man who works a night shift, he's happy to have a job and some pay, but I like every man. Second, I can laugh in the snow and rain. I get a buzz feeling cold and wet. The pleasure seems to balance out the pain. So you can see that I'm completely crazy. I even shun the south of France. The people on the hill. They say I'm lazy, but when I sleep, they sleep, I sing and dance. Some people have to have those sultry evenings, cocktails in the blue, red, and gray. But I like every minute of the day.
0: Podcast has been produced in association with the Nerdalogs. To find out more about the Nerdalogs and their shows, visit www.nerdalogs.com or Facebook.com
1: nerdalogs. Thanks for listening.